This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Taft Studios. Taft Studios, home of the Banana Splits since 1969. This episode is also made possible by the generous support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash podcemetery. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's week number two of our birthdays. It's a birthday tragedy week here with 1987's Don't Panic and 2019's The Banana Splits movie. Last week's episode posted on my birthday. Today we're actually recording... On Kelsey's birthday. Happy birthday, Kelsey. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Many happy returns. <laughs> uh, unlike a lot of the people in our first movie, 1987's Don't Panic. Written and directed by uh, Ruben Galindo Jr. Starring John Michael Bischoff, Gabriela Hassel, Helena Rojo, Juan Ignacio Aranda, and Roberto Palazuelos. Kelsey, what is Don't Panic about? On his 17th birthday, Michael's friend Tony is going to bring out a Ouija board, which he knows his friend doesn't like, and it's going to bring Virgil the Devil around, and a bunch of people are going to die. The movie implies that there's some backstory there that we don't get, too. (laughs) Yes. Why don't you tell him who Virgil is, Tony? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, the movie is available via AMC Plus and Shutter, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably on YouTube, too, if you don't have any of those services. <laughs> Should people watch Don't Panic, Kelsey? I mean, look, it's really funny, but I would it is. not. I, unless someone else wanted to watch it, I would not watch it. Yeah, it's not, like, so bad it's hilarious. Right. It is very funny. Yes. It, like, I... It's funny that I watched it, but, like, it's not must-see filmmaking. I remember thinking that something about it sounded really familiar, and then as we're watching it, I'm like, God, no, her with the unibrow, it looks so fucking familiar. And then later on, our protagonist is wearing pajamas, and I'm like, I know I've seen this movie before. And that's because it was on the Halloween spooktacular Best of the Worst uh, from Red Letter Media just last year. I can see why. And they made quite a few comments about the pajamas. <laughs> uh, and a lot, and a couple of things that, um, yes, I definitely agree with them on. If you, you know, I would say it's probably worth it to go back and watch that episode. I love those shows anyway. But there are a few things that they don't mention that we'll get to here as well. But yeah, either way, you don't need to watch this movie. You can stay away. It's okay. It's free if you want to put it on on a lazy Sunday afternoon or something like that while you're, I don't know, building a puzzle or something like that. (laughs) Maybe, but like it's not a lot of value here. (laughs) You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1987's Don't Panic. 
believe it or not, there is no good trailer for Don't Panic that would play well on an audio podcast. And as always, this happens all the time. Uh, This was re-released on Blu-ray by Vinegar Syndrome, which is really cool of them. But whenever anybody re-releases an older movie that never had a trailer and they need to create a new one, the trailer is always either a long clip of a scene and it's not a trailer at all, or it's completely silent and just the theme song playing over the top. So I have nothing to share with you here. Um, Let's talk about Don't Panic. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Don't Panic begin? With a pretty funny monologue. Uh, like an opening narration? Yes. Considering voiceover. the ending of the movie, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, he says there's a door that leads to another dimension and that he has already crossed it. There's a door that takes you to another dimension. Once you step through it, there's no return. I've already crossed it. Which, again, leads to the the backstory that you're never going to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he also explains that they had to move to Mexico City from, I want to say, L.A.? Or they were somewhere in, in America. And, yeah. Um, well, I don't know if they tell you where he comes from, but he's not happy about moving to Mexico I thought City. it was because of his dad's job, and then we find out he's not even living with his dad. Yeah. So, like, why? And he never sees his dad. So it can't be a custody thing. Bye, guys. Thanks, Lori. Bye. I knew it was definitely going to be a different birthday. Not just because my dad's work had yanked me out of Beverly Hills High. And then ship mom and I down to Mexico City. I mean, Mexico City for the rest of high school? The pits. But so, he lives with his alcoholic mother. Oh my god. Okay, so there are a couple, like, key references to Nightmare on Elm Street here, right? And that's one of them. The fact that he has a mom that won't listen to him and she is an alcoholic. They stress it so hard that it is either mentioned or shown in every single scene that she is in, and she even says outright that she's an alcoholic to a doctor, unprompted. <laughs> it's not even her doctor. There's something you should know. I have a drinking problem. Yeah, this movie is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but that's one of the ways it ties into Nightmare uh, on Elm Street. But so... His birthday party is over. He's about to go to bed. But, oh, his best friends have stayed for more drinking and and Ouija board playing, even though they all know he's really uncomfortable around Ouija boards. Uh But the girl he has a big crush on that he just met this night. The new girl, yeah. Alex. They're going to, like, tell each other they love each other within a day. Yes. They go on one date and they love each other. They have sex and then they love each other. And then, like, he's not going to talk to her for, like, an afternoon and she's gonna say like i never thought you'd do this to me never speak to me again Uh and you're just like okay i understand that teenage relationships are ridiculous but they are not this ridiculous right talking ridiculous she thinks his room is really cool and it's just covered (laughs) in like tilted car posted 
<laughs> Tony, his friend, is really insistent that they do this. Uh, even when they're asking joke questions, and when people are like, this is stupid, let's stop, or it's not working, he, like, shouts at everyone. He says, shut up, everybody! Shut up, everybody! Yes. It's like, whoa, Jesus! <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> this movie is dubbed, so you might be thinking, well, that's just the dubbed voice, like, you can't blame the actor for that, and that's true, but if you're watching the actor... No, he, he's going for it. <laughs> he is way overacting. Like, there, there's a the part where... His friend realizes that because they have him blindfolded and he blows out the candles uh -huh. and when he opens his Michael. eyes, there's the Ouija board. The look on Tony's face, the excitement and like the desire to play right. this game is outrageous. And I don't, again, we don't know. We like nothing. Is the implication that Virgil is inside him and trying to get stronger? I has he already know. been tempting him and did he tell him to bring me, have Michael summon me or whatever? Like... No idea. It is never addressed. He is so into it. And, like, the overacting is across the board, and the dubbing just makes it so much worse. The whole entire movie is But in a way, so dubbed. much better, because it's so ridiculous. It's not dubbed because it's in a foreign language, to be clear. They, they did make this movie in Mexico for an English-speaking audience. They will change signage around to be in English. Like, it's very obviously unofficial signage. And... Just reading their lips, you can tell they are mouthing the words that they're saying. I think it's just like a budget issue. You know, they couldn't have sound equipment on set or whatever audio they recorded was terrible. Uh, and then they had to just redub the whole thing. It's one of those sort of scenarios, which doesn't necessarily make a movie bad. There are plenty of awesome movies that are completely redubbed. Uh, but this one, it's it's weird, especially since they don't get the same actor to come back and voice our main character, at least not in every scene. Because there will be a few times when he drops into, like, a Spanish accent. Yeah, I noticed <laughs> that, too. Hey, you guys, time to go. Okay, so the way that they're going to go on a date is because they're both going to be late to school. Uh, so they just decide to ditch. Oh, because they will be expelled if they're late. Yeah. And the idea of, like, being able to expel a kid because they're late or being able to, to turn a kid away from school because they're late, like... I can't even imagine. Right. Right. And it's like kicking them out, I think, is what they mean by expelled. I don't like it doesn't make any sense that they would just not show up and then come back to school the next day and be perfectly fine. Right. But if you show up late, you're kicked out of the school. I think they mean like in the immediate term, you, you can't be it. Like we're going to kick you out. Mm -hmm. Not like take you off of our rosters, not let you come back. <laughs> But yeah, so they go out on this date. We get this date montage. It is so over the top. Like, he gets her balloons. They take a picture together. She lets the balloons fly. They eat gigantic bowls of melted ice cream together. <laughs> it, there's, like, when they go into his room, there's all this, like, Coke and Marlboro and Duran Duran. And I'm just like, what is this oh, movie? Yeah. What are what is all of this? Because this the date seat is so ridiculous. His friend's room is or his room. No, it's got to be his friend's room because his room is with the cars. Yeah, his friend's room. Tony's room has it's like a beaded curtain design, but instead it's nothing but Marlboro red packs and Cokes. Coke cans. Yeah, it, it's like 
hey, America. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything has to be big in this movie. The date is big. The The room is big. Everything is put as much on the screen as you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's hilarious. Like, it adds to just the comedy of the whole thing. Tony, a high school student, remember, also appears to live alone in a studio apartment. Uh, and he has a full bouquet of roses, like three dozen roses. And one <laughs> is magical and won't die if his so, love for yes. his girlfriend exists. So Tony finds out about the date and he gives a rose to Michael and he says, hey, give her this and tell her as long as this, ro- as this rose doesn't wilt. I will always be with you. There will always be a connection between us. And it's like, okay, well, they're fake roses, right? I don't think they're supposed to be. Is this like, are these magic roses he got from Virgil and we just never heard about? I don't know. I don't know. I I guess in this movie, it's like, well, the devil exists, so magic exists. I don't know. Right. And also keep in mind, we're, we're, in retrospect, trying to figure out if Tony is already possessed by this point. So maybe it's the devil's magic in this rose. I don't know, but it's going to come into play later when he has to prove himself. That night, Michael is sleeping, and he has a vision of a hand busting through his ceiling drywall and blood coming out and dripping on him. And then he wakes up, and it's nothing's there. But his eyes are blood red. And he can't see. And instead, he sees through the eyes of a killer, and this killer... Is killing one of his friends. And he's like, oh, shit, man, that's fucking crazy. So his friend has given him the rose. He's seen this nightmare, but he just thinks it's a nightmare. Yeah. Uh-huh. He goes to school with the rose to give it to the girl. And his, like, enemy at school. Yeah, his, like, bully. Has got his hand all over the girl and is, like, kissing and she her. She seems into it. She seems into it's it. It's not like a, like, oh, no, get away or anything like that. Like, it seems like they might actually be together. Like, that's what it looks like on the screen. Yeah, but then she brushes his hand away when she sees Michael. And she's just like, I want to be with you, Michael. And, like, she sees the rose and she's like, is this for me? And he's like, yes. If you love, if I love you, it'll stay alive. And so then they have sex. And then they Fuck. Okay, and I was asking, I wrote down my note, if the other guy wasn't going to be a problem, if it was just going to be, oh, she's she's fooling around with some guy in the cafeteria. He comes by and sees it and gets really sad. She sees him sad and is like, what's going on? And he's like, what's, what's going on with that guy? And she's like, oh, that's nobody. He's an asshole. Okay, well, let's fuck. Like, what was the point of that scene? Well, remember, she has this whole, like, screaming thing. You know him. He's a smartass. He's just jealous of yeah, you. And you're uh-huh. just sitting there as the audience, like, what is <laughs> happening? John is just my friend. You know him. He's just a smartass. And he's also jealous of you. You know that. And sex scene. Where did this backstory of them hating each other come from? How does she know it? She's brand new to the school. What is going on? And he he wakes up after the sex scene. But before they have sex, she tells him she loves him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Michael, uh-huh. I love you. Uh huh. And they had, one, they had day one day yesterday. <laughs> I guess they're teenagers. Whatever. So he wakes up alone in his bed, in his underoos. 
I say underoos. That's the best way I have to describe them. When when you say underoos, a specific thing comes to mind. It's a t-shirt and briefs that are designed after like a character or something like that. Like your Spider-Man underoos, your Alf underoos. I want to say I had a pair of Alf underoos when I was a kid, actually. But now these are like, you know, the ones where they're they look like a baseball tee. Uh, but it's full length sleeve and it has like a design on the white chest part. And in this case, it's dinosaurs and then matching pajama bottoms. Yeah, he's way too old to be wearing this outfit. And we don't mean just the actor. The actor definitely is. But even the character. Yeah. Like he's not eight. No. He's not six. Nope. He's 17. Yeah, the oldest it's okay to wear that is 10, and that's on I the would long, say, that's yeah. on the old uh-huh. side. And we like, judgy, uh, but it's like, culturally speaking, that's weird. <laughs> if, I mean, if you want to be weird, that's fine, but I don't think the movie's trying to make him weird. No. So why would you do that? Okay, when they have their first kiss, like, before they have sex, I didn't know if they were joking. It is such a long, slow take of them pulling oh, in yeah. to uh-huh. kiss. Yeah. I thought they were going to laugh. I thought it was a joke. I, I, right. I, it did not occur to me that this could be real. And then when they finally kissed, I was like, there was no joke. Uh-huh. They didn't laugh. It's this weird sort of uncomfortable tension. It's so bizarre. It Like, it's just, I love, like, this is what movies are, you know? This is not what life is. This is what a movie is. So yeah, the next gonna take it slow. <laughs> take it slow. Yes, you did. You made that comment when we were watching. Um, but the next morning, he wakes up in his underoos, covered uh, in blood. He's banging around blindly. Yes, so he does get covered in blood here. He bangs around blindly in his room and his bathroom, and he can't see again. Remember, his eyes are red. He sees through the killer, and he sees another one of his friends getting killed. And his mom's like, Michael. Oh, God, we haven't mentioned how many times they fucking say Michael in this movie. Oh, yeah, it rivals uh, Lost Boys for sure. There is, like, a montage that they cut together in the Best of the Worst episode, and they only do, like, the first act, and there is still a whole hell of a lot. And it gets worse throughout the movie. There's just more. Michael. 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 But anyway. Everybody likes to say the name Michael. 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 But anyway, he's bouncing. He's bouncing around. His mom is like, "Are you okay?" He locks himself in his bathroom, and she's banging on the door. He refuses to respond. He splashes water on his face to make him all better, and then when he can see again. Uh, he sees that there's blood coming out of the faucet, and his face is now covered in blood. Also, the girl that is killed, it's a knife through her head. Oh, yes. She gets a ceremonial dagger left in her forehead. Yes, it's ridiculous looking. He doesn't tell his mom at any point, yeah, mom, hold on a second. Like, to make her stop worrying, just bang, 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 lock bathroom. And she's pounding on the door, asking for him, and he, he's giving her nothing. He could be dead on the floor for all she knows. She is right to be concerned. <laughs> and then he finally, like, yeah, no, it's okay. And then he decides he's going to wear sunglasses to school because his eyes are still red. And he's also not going to talk to his girlfriend? Yeah. He's going to avoid her, I guess, to not show her his eyes. Yeah, he's also going to get some warnings about the next person that's going to be killed. Well, okay, so he has a hallucination in his class, 
Oh, yeah. So, no, that morning, he gets a face in the TV saying that the face... Oh, yeah, very much just out of Videodrome. Right. Straight out of Videodrome. Face comes through and or talks. Nightmare on Elm Street also does a thing like that, too, kind of. But it's very, very cool. Yes. And says, I need your help. Christy's going to die tonight. And Christy is this blonde friend of his. He's going to find out later, by the way, that his other friends he's been hallucinating about have also died. He just finds out about it on the news. Like, it's only commented on off screen, and that's it, right? But anyway, he has more hallucinations in class, and he sees this Christy friend, like, bleeding in the middle of class. Yeah, that was just out, straight out of Nightmare Nails. Absolutely, yeah. And he freaks out, or whatever. At lunch, he has a post-it note problem with Alex. This is where she yells at him. <laughs> Uh, by the way, on his lunch tray, he has two sodas, a Coke and an orange soda, I guess. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> what did he get for lunch? What's going on there? And yeah, it's a post no problem because he could easily just say, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm not feeling good right now. That's it. Like, that's all you needed to say. Or you could tell her the truth. But I would understand why he wouldn't want to. Either way, tell her fucking anything. But he just doesn't talk he just to her. just doesn't. It's and now she's pissed stupid. at him. So he's uh, he's doing his laundry at home in jeans and his underoo top, and his mom is yelling at his dad on the phone. Too busy with your job, you couldn't even come to your son's birthday. How dare you call me a drunk? You know, like there's always oh yeah, and there's just a fucking bottle on the newel post <laughs> stairs. Your son is going crazy, and you're telling me you're too busy. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just. Right on the nose of everything. We haven't mentioned that every time a bottle needs to be present, it is literally the same bottle yes. that they use in every single scene, regardless of context. They have the one bottle to use throughout the entire movie, props, and they will use it. Props only had so much money. To right. <laughs> but so he hears this, and he's like, I'm not going crazy. I'm not going crazy. And jumps at the wall and starts to destroy his room. And it's... So funny. Right. I have written down, he throws things all over his room, shouting unconvincingly how he isn't crazy. Yes. <laughs> he has 20 minutes till midnight, by the way, and the warning was that his friend Christy will die at midnight and he hasn't done anything. You must warn her. Alex calls him and he refuses to answer the phone. He's not doing anything and he won't answer Alex's calls. Okay, fine. Until... There's a news report that he sees about his friends dying. His visions were real. He has 14 minutes to get Christy out of the city, which is what he hears. He hallucinates, right? So he drives to Christy's house. He Sorry. Rides his bicycle to Christy's house in his pajama full outfit. And who's Christy's brother? His bully. <laughs> And this is when the bully is a dick to him and won't believe him. I gotta help her. They're gonna kill her. She's not even home. She's at work. So he goes to the hospital. He rides his bicycle to the hospital. I'm, I refuse to call it a bike because it's like he's a 10-year-old. Goes to the hospital. The lady at the front desk won't let him in to see her. So he breaks in. She sends security after him. He's bouncing around the hospital because he's stopping being able to see because he can't get a hold of her, right? Because she's about to die and he's seeing what the killer's seeing. He's, like, bouncing around everywhere. Security stops him, and he warns them, Ah, somebody's gonna kill Christy! Somebody's gonna kill her! And they just will not listen to him until eventually somebody does actually kill her. Ironically, she gets killed because 
She comes out of her hiding place because the phone rings because the guard was trying to call her department to see if she was there. And so she gets out to answer the phone and the guard hangs up before she can answer it. And so she answers the phone and says, hello. That's what tips the killer off where she is. And she dies that way. Damn. Again, the whole time he's running around this hospital, pajamas. I love that there's a part in the in the hospital scene where there's a nurse and she's trying to stop him from going through the ward. And Yeah, this is the front desk nurse. Yeah, and the security guard is unable to do so and she's just like, oh. She is so <laughs> distraught. Why won't anybody listen to me? <laughs> Stop that young man! <laughs> he was outside visiting hours. <laughs> Have him arrested, strung up and shot. Please, get this young man out of here, right now. Let's go, kid. What are you waiting for? Mm, nothing. I'm coming. I don't know what made you think you could just walk in like that. She's very insistent. And when they're like, there's a dead body over here. Isn't anybody going to do anything about this young man in pajamas? <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. Oh. Sam, you better get over here fast. 10-4. Where are you going? Guard! Hey! So he runs away from her and she's drat! Curses! Curses! And then he starts getting followed around by the killer who he sees with his own eyes for the first time is Tony. Why are you running, Michael? I'm, I'm your best, best friend. friend. <laughs> <laughs> he like laughs really loud. He's it's definitely it's trying great. to give off Freddy vibes for sure, but it's it's a little it's almost like, you know, the friend in American Werewolf in London. Like, early on when he's just initially dead, when you can tell something's wrong with him, right? But he's not completely decayed yet. It feels a lot like that, but then with the attitude of Freddy. What are you running, Michael? I'm Tony, your best friend. In case the audience didn't know it. I also want to point out that the music here is really annoying. Like, they're trying to go for... It felt more like a Michael music than it did anything else, yeah. but it was not good. I don't know if I'd necessarily call it annoying, but yeah, I guess I can see it. There is the theme song, which we'll get into in, in more depth later, called Don't Panic. And when it's just the music, it's not bad. <laughs> I don't know if that's the one you're talking about, but I like it that's when it is the just the music. That's not the song I'm talking no, about, okay. but don't panic. <laughs> don't panic. Yeah, that's how it goes. But anyway... When he gets home, his mom thinks he's about to jump out of the window. Yes. She's like, don't do it. Don't, don't kill yourself. What on earth are you doing there? Oh, my God. Don't jump, baby. Come, darling. Please, baby. Give me your hand. No, Mom. Come down. Mom, it's not oh, what you my think. God. Are you okay? I'm fine, Mom. Are you all right? You're not hurt? Yes, Mom. Oh, baby. Oh, my God. I'm alcoholic. <laughs> my son's got nuts. And she goes to go get something, and she calls on her rotary phone, which I love. Yeah. But her husband shows up. And she's like, he doesn't need you anymore. He's like, how do you expect anyone to be normal or sane if she has such an alcoholic mother? She, like, they just do not. And by the way, she is so hysterical all the time that she won't even listen to her son. Like, that's I'm the thing. Her, I talk about her ex. No, I know. But her... She is also hysterical. In addition to yelling at the the husband and him being an asshole, she is also 
so hysterical that she won't even listen to what he's saying. She's so worried and panicked. Don't jump out the window, Michael. You've locked yourself in the bathroom, Michael. He's like, Mom, listen to me. I'm trying to tell you. Tony, my friend, is killing people. You're hysterical, Michael. Straight out of nightmare. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So anyway. As they're fighting, you couldn't even make it for his birthday. Uh, The bully guy comes in and takes him. Why doesn't he wake up? Oh, because he's been drugged because she's brought the doctor. That's why she says he doesn't need the dad anymore because she's got a doctor that's going to drug him up. Uh So he's taken and it's really funny because it's very obvious that he's just helping the guy like get him into the car and is lifting Uh his legs and stuff. When he gets him where he wants him to go, he pulls the shotgun on him and is like, dying time, wimp. Dying time, wimp. (laughs) Like he's going to kill him because... Remember, her, his bully is Christie's older brother. Yes. And she just died. And because he came and said that he was worried about her, uh-huh. he's like, well, obviously you did it. Uh-huh. Which is, it's weird that the movie uses that leap in logic that you were, you said she was going to die that night, and then she did. You're involved. I'm going to hurt you. But later on, there's going to be a cop, a lieutenant who's semi-important to the story insofar as he adds legitimacy to certain proceedings he will say ma'am to the mom your son said that christy was going to die and then she did he knows like but not like a he's at fault we need to find him so he can help save whoever the next victim is going to be so he can help us find the killer or whatever is his point of view so it's weird that the movie would use both of those points of view but I mean, I am Different a little bit relieved. I'm a little bit relieved because it's so fucking annoying when somebody's trying to warn people that something's going to happen. And then when it does happen, they assume that that person then had something to do with it. And so Michael, in the process, totally sells out his buddy Tony and is like, I didn't do it. Tony did it. He doesn't even say Tony was possessed and he did it. Just Tony kills her. And so the bully's like, all right, then we're going to get Tony. So they go. To Tony's place. And there's a movie on. That movie is um, Cemetery of Terror, which is a movie made by uh, Ruben Galindo Jr. It's the other movie that he made or another movie that he made. And then Tony will show up in the TV again. Turns out that was Tony the entire time. Yes. Don't fail. Robert is next. Virgil has taken over my body. Yes, so we get confirmation that Tony, the good friend... But how does he prove that it's really him? So, how he proves it is he makes all the roses that were in his his studio apartment levitate, and then he tells Michael what he told him before, that, oh, tell her to say this thing, right? And it's like, okay... Give her the rose and tell her that if you love her, that it'll always bloom. Yeah. Now, we were talking before about the fact that Tony might be possessed. That was prior to the scene when he gave him the flower and everything like that. So if he is, in fact, possessed, wouldn't he have also been possessed then? Like, my point is, is that that only proves that this is Tony if that was also Tony. But that could have just as easily have been Virgil. Anyway, anyway, whatever. We don't. I mean, he doesn't know that. We know that, but he doesn't. Anyway, while they're there, he does finally change his clothes. But importantly... Changes his shirt and then just puts jeans on over his pajama bottom. So I assume he's not wearing any underwear. And he doesn't want to show his butt in front of John, his bully. 
so they both see this face and John's like, oh shit, you're right. There is a possession. Magic's going on. Holy shit. And he gives Michael his handgun because, of course, he believes him now. Oh, Tony also tells them you have to kill Virgil with the ceremonial dagger that he carries around. So they go and get Robert to save Robert. And they drag him outside. At first, they think he's dead, but no, he's just drunk because that's the only characteristic that any character has in this movie. Uh, They drag him outside, but he's not wearing any pants. Again, an issue with pants. And he insists that he gets pants. Remember, Michael is wearing two pairs of pants. But he insists that he needs to get pants before he goes anywhere. Robert does. And so Michael says to John, I'll go get him the pants and head back inside where it's possible Virgil might be. So he goes back inside. Remember, he could have just given him the jeans that he was already wearing because he was wearing two pairs of pants. But whatever. While he goes back inside, John's like, you know what I need to do? I need to accidentally rob a liquor store. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, where is he going? And also he just walks away. Yeah. And all like, don't move. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> and, and at the same time, I wrote, oh, the music again is very, very annoying. I do not like the music in this movie. But they wanted like a comedy moment. So he walks into this store with the shotgun underneath his arm. And the cashier thinks he's being robbed. And so he just calmly asks for the stuff that he wants. And I don't know if he wants smokes or something like that, right? And then he asks how much he owes him. And the cashier is like, no, 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 nothing, nothing. Just take it. Just go. And it just never dawns on him that he's carrying a gun into a store. But whatever. He accidentally robs this place. And by the time he comes back, Michael's back out. I don't think Michael has. No, he started seeing things. He started seeing things while he was up there in the apartment. So he tries to rush back down while they're both gone. Robert gets killed, slashed in the throat. John comes back as Michael comes downstairs and Michael's like, John, don't. He's there. It's Virgil. He's there. John's like, what? What are you talking about? And just gets in the car. (laughs) And it doesn't occur to him until, I don't know, a minute later, what Michael might have been shouting about. Meanwhile, Michael's just standing Yards away, hasn't approached the car at all. And then up pops Virgil and one of the most comical looks in the entire movie. Do you believe in the devil? Or what does he say? Do you believe in Satan? Do you believe in Satan? And yes. And he laughs again. He I laughs. love his laugh. Do you believe in Satan? <laughs> There's a big and he fight. he takes the knife and he puts it through his jaw yeah, and then pulls the it chin. out. Uh-huh. And then he drops the knife. So remember, the only thing that can kill Virgil is the ceremonial dagger and... Virgil's the one who owns the dagger and then he kills John with it and then he just drops it and he leaves it. Okay. Does Tony get behind the wheel of the red car? Because at one point they're like, the red car is trying to kill me. And it's just like, is this a reference to Christine? Yeah. So Virgil gets in the red sports car. That's John's car and chases Michael down the street and he's running away from the car, kind of like Christine. And he runs into some cops and they try to arrest him. And he's like, this car, it's chasing me. And they're like, what car? The red car. And then sure enough, a red car pulls up. So they're like, oh, shit. What's going on in here? And they approach the car and it's just John and Robert's dead bodies. And in the hullabaloo, Michael escapes police custody. As he's escaping, the song Don't Panic is playing. (laughs) And it's great because it's just, you've got the... 
don't panic. panic. Yeah. Don't panic. You have that, but that's it. And the music's actually kind of good. <laughs> I actually really like it. And I wrote down, I was like, this is the music that Chris said he liked. Yes. <laughs> Except now we get the don't panic part, uh-huh. right? Where we didn't have that before. And at the end, we're going to have full-on lyrics, which are terrible. But I just, I have to point out that the song was written and performed by John Michael Bischoff, the man who plays Michael. <laughs> Awesome. That's like really cool, right? Silly, but as it's he's cool. stumbling down the street, holding his head in his hands, and his dead and his friends, dead friends. <laughs> are all shouting at him, "Save us, Michael!" So, what? Where does he decide to go? The one place, of course, he's gonna go. Alex's home. Yeah, his girlfriend's home, where her father is entertaining the senator. A senator, just <laughs> randomly, just senator. I'm so sorry, Senator. And he has this mustache. <laughs> but the Senator's like, have him sit. Let's enjoy yeah, no, his no, company. Just, have him, just let him join. No <laughs> big deal. Uh, I guess it couldn't hurt, I think is what the dad says. And then he starts having visions again while they're at dinner. Like, really all he's there for is to get Alex to come with him, because he wants to save Alex too, right? But... He, they insist that he has dinner there. Aren't you going to offer him some wine? <laughs> and, yeah, remember, he is 17. <laughs> uh, and he starts getting visions again. So, Kelsey, he is blind in a room full of innocent people, including a senator, his girlfriend, and his girlfriend's rich and well-to-do father. Yes. What does he do? He starts shooting blindly. He just starts blindly shooting at nothing because he's worried that Virgil might be there. And he manages to hit everything that's either like glass or ceramic in the room. And everyone's like, what do you think you're doing? And then he just says to Alex, let's go. And she's like, okay. He fucking like abducts her basically at gunpoint. No, she goes with him. I know, but he they don't know that. He's a strange boy that shows up that she says she knows. He starts firing wildly and then steals his daughter like what can he possibly imagine is going on right now uh but they drive away he tells her everything they're basically the only ones at the party that are still left if you remember the party from the first scene at the beginning of the movie so they have a mission if you remember from just i don't know five minutes ago I commented about the fact that Virgil carries the ceremonial dagger. It's also the only thing that can kill him. And when he killed John, he just left it there. Didn't he leave it like in his jaw? No, it like fell down on the ground or something. That's how he killed him. And then it like just fell on the ground. (laughs) And so he's like, Michael and Alex, they're like, I, we should probably go back and get the knife, I guess. So yeah, they, they so go back to get the knife. They go and get it. And, of course, uh, Tony shows up and he's like, drop that knife, Michael. Drop that knife, Michael. He doesn't. And so when they run away, he's like, you want to play games? Good. I like games. It's and he just so like does this sort of like weird. Pepe Le Pew constantly walking towards them sort of thing, always managing to catch up wherever they go. He chases them into some random like factory. And also it's giving off these nightmare vibes. You know, it's not like a refinery like it is in 
in Nightmare, but still has those vibes. And he's always there. Like, they turn a corner and he's just, like, has his head in his hand, like, sup? <laughs> and then they run away again and he's there again. And you know, remember, one of those Virgil's of things. the devil. He is the devil. Supposedly. Do you believe in the devil? <laughs> no, sorry. Do you believe in Satan? <laughs> yes. Uh, but so he ends up crushing him. Yeah, in a very predator moment. He's like, come on, come at me, come on! We're gonna play, huh? Okay? Come on! Let's play! Come on! Play! Come on! Virgil walks up and he hits the switch and like a safe or something drops on him, like it's straight out of Looney Tunes. <laughs> Falls on him, and to get back at him, Virgil slash Tony, like, levitates Michael? Let's well. Let's remember here. Yes, Tony's not in his body right now, but that's still Tony's body. Yeah, it's Tony's body. But when I keep saying Virgil, I mean because it's right. But my point is, like, you just paralyzed your. Oh yeah, totally. No, and we'll we'll feel the brunt of that a little bit later. But keep in mind, he's levitating Michael as if to like bring him up so high that he'll die if he falls, and not the safe that's on top of him. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Virgil tries to fake like it's really Tony. Oh, it's Tony. I'm back. You did it, man. You dropped a safe on him and now I'm alive. I can't feel my legs. <laughs> so. Just go. Don't watch me die. <laughs> oh, at one point he says the line, April Fool's sucker. Well, that's, yeah, so he says, you know, just watch, I mean, just go, don't watch me die. And yeah, then then when they turn to leave, he's like, April Fool's sucker. Like, so, like, what was the point of any of that? <laughs> Alex comes in with the lieutenant who she met once. He did ask her where she was. Uh, she went off to get help, and she grabs the lieutenant and comes back. And so now we have somebody in a position of authority, sees Michael levitating, sees that there's something weird going on. So at least now we have that. And then Michael's like, kill him now. Grab the knife and kill him. And so Alex does that, stabs him, and then Michael falls to the ground to his death. And she's like, oh, Michael. 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 At one point she says, Mike. For the only Mike we get in the entire fucking movie, there's like 75 Michaels and one Mike. And then the lieutenant says to her, I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> it's so weird. Yes. He calls her baby. The movie is ridiculous. Tony comes back in this moment, actually, just to say he's sorry and die immediately. And then the lieutenant just walks away. Yeah. This, we get this wide shot of her crying over Michael's body and the lieutenant just walks away. Michael! Michael? Michael! I'm sorry, baby.
I'm sorry. because we have the graveyard scene. Yes, so there's a funeral, and apparently everyone knows what... You know how he said that the lieutenant had some authority, he saw what happened, and we so we... It's not just like, what are they going to say to the authorities? Like, the lieutenant saw it. So at this funeral, the priest is, like, going on and on about how Michael saved us from the devil. Mm-hmm. Like, actually did that. Like, it's so weird that they're just... Having that conversation, and I guess everyone knows, and they're they're cool with it. The hey devil man, exists. Can you can you deny <laughs> what you've seen? But the lieutenant saw it. Not all these other people. Anyway, mom throws some some dirt on the coffin. Alex has the flower, the rose, but it's dead, and she throws it on the coffin. And the moment it lands, fully bloomed and alive again. <laughs> and she's like, "Wait a minute." What was it he said again? And then we hear like the voiceover of what yes. he told her. Like the rose, Alex. As long as we love each other, nothing can take us apart. There will always be an open door between us. And she's looking up at the sky and then freeze frame. You can see her face. You can see the sky. It's so over. wind blows through her hair. I, mean, it, the, I was just I was very surprised because I, I I thought it would be over and it wasn't. Yeah. And I this movie is so over the top. I just I love that about it. Yes, there, there is something genuinely appealing about that. I will say my last note here is, oh, no, apparently there are lyrics to Don't Panic and they're terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like really, really bad. So, Kelsey, what do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? 13. It's a trick question. It has no reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. It does have an audience score with over 50 ratings. What do you think the audience score is? 13. (laughs) 32. 32. No Metacritic, no cinema score. Big surprise. Do you think 32 is overrated or underrated? I'll just go with a straight 32. You think 32 is good? That's a fine number for this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a fine number. 
here's the thing. It's not a good movie. No. I wouldn't recommend you see it. But I'm thinking back to the last movie I gave a 40 to, and that was The Skulls. I mean, I did really appreciate how just fucking melodramatic Skulls got by the end. But, like, I feel like this is more fun than The Skulls. Yeah, but this is... It's a worse movie. Yes. I'll give it a 40 as well. Okay. I will give it a 40 as well. Fine. That's what it's just going to have to be. <laughs> All right. That is Don't Panic. Our uh, first movie in this week's uh, birthday week for Kelsey. Moving on to our modern film. 2019's The Banana Splits movie. I'm really surprised that this is 2019, by the way. I feel like it's been out forever. Nope. It's only been out since 2019. It's probably because they have been talking about making a Five Nights at Freddy movie, Five Nights at Freddy's movie, forever. And they never did. And the rumor is, but it's unsubstantiated, that that's what this started out as. Or at least they had the rights to it. Um, and then they lost the rights, or they something happened there, and they're like, well, let's still make a movie like this, I guess. I would argue that the other film is far closer to Five Nights at Freddy's. The one Wally's Wonderland, or whatever it's called. Wally's... Willie's Wonderland is what it's called. Uh, which just came out, what, last year? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit more faithful to... The FNAF lore, because it is, like, a children's party place. Mm -hmm. And they are actual, like, animatronics. Mm -hmm. I mean, puppets, not just dudes in suits. Right. What these guys were sort of saddled with is the fact that this is a pre-existing property. Which I think they should have, I think they should have leaned heavier into that. Yeah. So, okay. So, well, let's talk about this. Uh, it's directed by uh, Danishka Esterhazy. I don't know if that's actually how you pronounce it, but that's how you pronounce it in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. There's a character named Toby Esterhazy. She was a second unit director for Channel Zero, which is a show that we actually really liked. Really liked But we're not show. all the way caught up on. No. It was written by Jed Elenoff and Scott Thomas, and it stars Danny Kind, Steve Lund, Finley Wotak Hisong, Romeo Carrera, and Eric Bauza, who's basically all the voices of all of them. He does every single one of them. He's the current voice of all the, like, Warner Brothers characters, like Bugs Bunny and the like. I thought his voice sounded very familiar. Right, but he's doing impressions of other people. Mm -hmm. So so he's trying to sound familiar on yes, purpose. Yes, yeah. Would you argue that the main guy is supposed to sound a little bit like Tigger? Absolutely, 100%. He took it down to Hammertown! <laughs> Three cheers for Rebecca! This guy does not do the voice for Tigger, though. I, well, I wouldn't believe that Disney would let him do this. Right, yeah. <laughs> the show is based on the Banana Splits Adventure Hour from the late 60s. This is a Sid and Marty Croft and Hanna-Barbera joint venture. The Crofts credit that show with what allowed them to make H.R. Puffin stuff. Because they basically got their foot in the door with that. H.R. Puffin, H.R. Puffin stuff. stuff. My mom watched that uh -huh. show. <laughs> Did you know that the first season of the Banana Splits Adventure Hour was directed by Richard Donner? No. As in Superman, Scrooge, Lethal the Weapon, Goonies. The Goonies, and The Omen, Richard Donner. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Richard Donner did the open. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's the Goonies guy. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, Kelsey, what is the Banana Splits movie about? So like he said, it's a TV show, and but in this world, it has been on since the 60s. It never got taken off the, sh- the air. Which in is- reality, they did bring it back in the mid-2000s, like 2007, 2008, and it was on for like another season or two, and it had since been canceled. And then like 10 years later, now they're making this, mm-hmm. like in reality. Right. But in this, in the movie's reality, mm-hmm. they have always existed, which I think that's unheard of. I don't think there's a single TV show that has lasted that long. I mean, we're talking like Sesame Street or... Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, is Sesame Street still... Yeah, Sesame Street's still kicking, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just on HBO. All right. It's not publicly aired anymore, which is a huge bummer, but whatever. That is a big bummer. Mm-hmm. Oh. Especially since they just got rid of 200 episodes, so they wouldn't have to pay royalties or taxes on it. Right, but this is not at the caliber of uh of oh, certainly Sesame not. Street. No. So this is just four okay, so in the film it's supposed to be four animatronics animatronics that you watch do programmed dances. Yes. In the in reality, these are sort of like l- small little vignettes and stories that bookend like animated sequences. And we don't see any of the animation in this. They don't. No. They have no budget for that. It's just them on set throwing pies and shit like that. And there's like a double oh, dare yeah. sort there's of like, a like dare obstacle situation. course. And yeah, for his birthday, a child is given a day to watch them do a taping of a live episode. And it just so happens to be the last day that they're ever going to air an episode. They don't know that at the time. And things go poorly. Yep. The movie is available to rent for $3 or buy for 10 Should people watch the Banana Splits movie? I really wanted to like this a lot. And while I think that there's some good to it, ultimately I'd say you can skip it. Right. I would agree. I'm really sad to say that. Yeah, I would say that while there's a lot here that I respect – it just didn't end up as a good enough product. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. The direction, the pacing, the acting, it's all off. Because in the writing, even though there are times when, when this movie tries to get like emotional and dramatic, yeah. mm-hmm. the the writing is poor. But otherwise, I hear what the writing was going for. Right. And it's really sad to watch what I can see in my mind, if it had mm-hmm. if it had been alive, if it had been moving, if it had been fast paced, if it had been colorful and bright, like I see what the writing wanted. Yeah. And it just didn't come. I don't know if the budget was bad. I don't know. It just wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, it is a sci-fi movie. And it feels like a sci-fi movie, despite the fact that it's also produced by Warner Brothers. It does feel like Probably a high-end sci-fi movie is what I would say. Very, very low-end Warner Brothers movie. It's also a bummer that they're kind of stuck with the fact that these were just costumes. They're just fursuits. Right. I I get why they wanted them to be. The movie only works if they're animatronic. Right. Well, there's other things they could have done. Wouldn't have been as good, though, but yeah. But the problem is... If you're going to say they're animatronics, they need to look and act and move like animatronics, and they just don't. 
Also, why would they be animatronics in the first place? Yeah, it doesn't make any damn sense. Why would you make an entire TV show where you need these? I mean, the the kind of the mobility that these animatronics have. Oh, yeah, have. throwing pies at kids and stuff like that. Right, and reacting to uh-huh. things like they they don't, they barely, barely have that technology right. now. They certainly didn't have it back in the 60s. They have emotions. They understand concepts of revenge. Right, so if you're going to, like, I understand that over time they've been developed so many times, like they've developed AI or whatever. I get the point of that. But why, if you're willing to go down that road, why not make it like a, the characters, like the people that are inside have been like taken over by some sort of like, what's the word? Brainwashed. Like they've been, oh, okay. you know, why not just have it be that? Mm-hmm. And now, and they've been told like the show must go on. You must perform. You must perform. And so now when they're going to, they're told that they're going to be shut down, they go crazy and do Mm -hmm. all this stuff. Like we don't ever need to see them outside of their costumes. Keep them in their costumes. Make that part of it. Yeah. Just make a comment about how their method. Right. Yes, (laughs) exactly. That explains why you don't see them beforehand. And then afterwards. That's such a faster fix than saying that they are animatronics and just not. And the code goes wrong for no reason. Right. It just goes wrong. Yeah. And not even trying to make them act and look like animatronics. Like. Just vague noises you hear when they move. Oh, my God. Occasionally, like, specifically when you're supposed to be watching them, Uh they try to walk like animatronics, and I'm like, oh, my God. Right. How much were you paying these actors? (laughs) Like, they could have done a better job. It looks so ridiculous and over the top. But when you're not supposed to be watching them, they're not even trying. Like I say, I do really respect what they were going for. I respect what they did with an established property. The director at one point said that children's shows are all kind of inherently creepy. Uh, oh, and, yes. And she's sort of parlaying that into this. And I like, I respect all of that. And they're having fun. And the gore is all practical. Like, everything is practical. It doesn't look great. But the fact that it is, I respect that. The unfortunate result is that it's just not a very good movie at the end of it. If you're going to go for gore... I felt like they were not doing it over the top enough. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like they were trying to make it look real. But if you're trying to make it look real, then it needs to look real. Like, it doesn't... It, well, it, interestingly, it felt a lot like Book of Monsters in that way. You know, yes, Book of Monsters tried to do everything with practically. but that's working with no budget, and yeah, you understand uh-huh. why it looked the way right. that it well, looked. Well, I imagine it's a sci-fi production, probably had no budget. <laughs> Anyway, you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2019's The Banana Splits Movie. We are going to The Banana Splits. (gasps) Sometimes at night, I see the splits riding around in the little cars, laughing and singing. Who's excited to see the banana splits? Yeah! Rebecca, I'm canceling the show. What? Hi, kids. Put on your ha- happiest faces because the banana splits show is about to begin. Where are the children? Mom, get out of here. Time's almost up. Why are you doing this to me? Seriously! 
Let me out! Now the show can go on forever and ever and ever. Come on, you fuzzy son of a... I just really want your brother's birthday to be perfect. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does the Banana Splits movie begin? So we get to we get to meet the characters. So we have Bingo, Drooper, Snorky, Flegel, and Stevie. Yeah. So and the and the theme song actually names them all, and that is the original theme song. The tra la 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 la. That is the it's original a theme great song. Song. It's really for good. A, a horror movie. Like it's really good. Taft Studios presents the Banana Splits, starring. Flegel! Bingo! Drooper! Snorky! And featuring Stevie! And a 60s kids show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, they named them in the song. And in the song, they named them Flegel, Bingo, Drooper, and Snork. Flegel, Bingo, Drooper, and Snork. Snork. Because Snork fits like the rhyming scheme and the the number of syllables. But his name is, in fact, Snorky. <laughs> but they just, in the song, they call him Snork. And yeah, and Stevie is just the human guy who acts against all these characters. And can talk. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, all of the other characters can talk except for Snorky. Oh, do they talk? Yeah. I know they do. I know he does. Like, I just thought that was... I didn't know they did on the show. Yes, they do on the show. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the family. So there is the mom who just wants the best for her two sons. That's Beth. That's all she cares about is making her two sons happy and being a good mom. Her husband... Mitch... Could not care less about being a good dad is pretty much just a terrible person all around. And you're left wondering why she would ever pick this person. And yeah, we never find out why. Well, probably because, well, no, she does. She says she wanted to make sure that they were protected. Right. So she has a kid. Well, she has a kid with Harley. She has Austin from previous marriage. Austin from the previous marriage and her husband died. Yeah. When she had a very young son, she wanted to find somebody to be a dad. Uh-huh. Why would it be this guy? I, I assume he's successful. He's always work, work, work. Why would he want to be with a woman with a kid that he couldn't? Right. He no, you're right. Like. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Here's something we haven't actually talked about, and I think we should. We should say right out the gate. Almost every single character is completely flat. They're all two-dimensional. You meet them. You know them. That is it. You you meet Mitch, you know everything you need to know about Mitch. He is that same character the entire fucking movie. We find out that he's having an affair. That doesn't make him round. <laughs> he's still he, two-dimensional. He tries to change at the end. No, he doesn't. It's for a comic bit. Like, yes, it's not absolutely. actually the, the character. No, I know. You're right. Like, there are very few three-dimensional characters in this movie. and yes, You are correct. They it, are flat. They're characters. just a bunch of cliches, and that's... What Mitch is. And so the fact that we have this put upon mother who doesn't realize that 
the father of her children or the stepfather and father of her children are assholes. Here's the other thing. He's an asshole so much he accuses Austin of stealing from him. And he's just like, he's got his other sock. And he's like, I was missing a sock. I thought maybe it got put in your drawer by mistake, right? We find out later that, no, he is actually stealing from his stepfather. Oh, we knew he was. They showed us that. Oh, they show it? I missed that. Yeah, no, he's totally stealing from his stepfather. I just saw him in the drawer. But, like, he's still stealing from his parents. Like, that's still fucked. Oh, yeah, and he has no real reason to do it. Because later, he's going to offer to give it to the girl to, uh make his brother's birthday better yeah so like uh he didn't need it for anything Uh he just randomly like i understand you hate the guy but like could it not be a way that makes you kind of a dick i don't know no yeah no they both suck and i'm sorry about this actor but like i don't know what decision he was making about this character well he was playing a teenager is what he was doing although he's 19 i'm around teenagers all day they don't (laughs) i don't know this kid just doesn't have a lot of life to him. Uh-huh. Well, I, th- I feel like that's intentional, though. I guess. And then there's the little kid who, he just hasn't grown up yet. He's still into Harley. little kid stuff. And his father is ashamed of him for that. Also, girly stuff. His birthday cake has a unicorn on it. He wears fairy wings. But his dad lets him. Like, his dad's not, like, telling him to take well, off the does. wings. Well, he does. He does. Oh, that's right. He, he says the wings come off when we go inside or that's whatever. That's right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But again, Mitch is the asshole, so we can assume that if he's upset about something, then then it's okay. You're also told, basically, that the kid has no friends. The one kid who was going to go with him supposedly has the flu today, which uh-huh. could happen. It really does happen. Let's remember that people are allowed to be sick right. and unfortunate <laughs> timing. But it could just be that he he just doesn't have any real friends. And she just randomly calls up one chick and she's like, yeah, sure, my daughter will go. Right. And this okay. is the girl, Zoe. First of all, it adds a, just an, an extra layer of diversity to this group. So it's not a bunch of, I don't know, it's weird because. Why not just have her have been the friend? Right. But she needs to have this sort of aversion to it all. Right. So why not just have her mom be the one forcing her to go? Why not have this just... Right. Why even have a friend... Why even have the friend who's sick and can't go? It's a weird decision because here's the thing. Wouldn't it establish the character even more if you didn't have any friends? Yes. uh Also, why would a mother allow her daughter to be taken by a family that she's never met? Right. Never spend time with. Like, they uh-huh. just happen to be in the same class as their kid, and that's enough to, yeah, take my daughter for an entire day. Uh huh. You don't know parents of 2019 <laughs> movie. <laughs> anyway, so they go to the show at the oldest soundstage. I don't know why that's even mentioned. It so it could be up. isolated, I guess. And I guess. Look like shit. It says, Home of the Banana Split since 1969. So we meet the other characters that are really dumb. Oh, look, yay, we have obnoxious influencers. Yep. Oh, yay, we have an obnoxious stage dad. Like, yep. ugh. And they're, it's... All two-dimensional again. It's not great acting, and, and yeah, and it's cheap writing, and... Well, it's supposed to be funny because they're obnoxious. That's what, that's what is funny. Right, again, from the it's writing... funny. From, but from the <laughs> writing perspective, I heard... What they wanted. Uh-huh. And that's not what they were getting. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't there. Well, I think part of it is they weren't taking it seriously. And so they're like, oh, this is a fun, silly movie, so let's just be obnoxious and silly. Isn't that funny? And it's like, no, it's not. You need to be clever. You need to be and You're real. not clever at all. 
And again, I think in the writing it was supposed to be more poppy, yeah, more snappy. Yeah, uh-huh. every every comic bit would move on to the next comic bit. You uh-huh. didn't. I don't think you were supposed to sit there and watch them get ready for their photos and take their mm-hmm. photos and have him get her his daughter ready because here's the thing: these people, these actors, don't know how to do busy work. Oh God, yes, and it's hard to watch. These are. It, it's all other things that she's talking about land on the actors, the director, and the editor, mm-hmm. not on the writing. Exactly, as I'm saying. Yeah, that's where this movie is falling. Anyway, they imply that like the characters might be evil because like the creators like we don't want any hiccups, do we? And like you better get in there. And, and like partway through the movie, he's just going to be insane. And want like, to defend evil his insane. babies. Not like you get the feeling that he's a little bit crazy the whole time, but halfway through the movie, he's just like a villain for no reason. Yeah. But so they're evil all the time? No, when he when so I think it's Flegel. The main I couldn't the dog. tell who was oh, who. Yeah, so Flegel and Drooper look very, very similar. And they are the primary ones. So the ones that look the most unique visually are Snorky and Bingo, and they get taken out. Of the equation pretty quickly. Is Bingo the one with the giant smile? The big smile and the glasses. He's the orangutan or whatever, Yes. There's him. There's the elephant. Uh And then there's the dog. The dog and the lion. But the dog and the lion look really similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kept thinking the lion was the dog every time it was on screen. So Flegel, I think, Flegel is the dog, but I think is the one that this happens to. Someone's reflex subroutine needs a little tweaking, hmm? We'll start with you, Drupa. Something goes wrong right before they're about to go on stage, and he needs to get a programming update. And while he's getting that programming update, the code changes from, like, green or blue to red. And then his eyes turn red. And it's no explanation, it just is. Yeah, and and again, like, if you're just going to go for no explanation, make it better than this. But I thought he was seeing that the show was getting canceled. That's what I thought he was saying. Like, I know they eventually find that out, but I'm not sure what the exact context is. No, I have here written down, Drooper is the broken one. He gets red eyes. Oh, yeah. And then my next note is Snorky. Or was it Drooper? (laughs) You know, so, like, I'm all over the place figuring out who everyone is. But it's neither here nor there. The programming on one of the animatronics goes bad, so it goes bad on all of them. Apparently, they're a hive mind, I guess. That's never established. Not on Snorky. Well, we'll get to Snorky a little bit later. He gets sort of redeemed. It's not so much like they want to cause violence as it is they have one objective, to put on the show. And anyone that gets in the way of that needs to be destroyed. And sometimes when they put on the show, it's a little violent. But, like, they don't have a must-kill people sort of vibe to them. It's just like, yeah, let me cut you in half. You know, and then you literally do. But they are, like, torturing them, too. They make them play in other people's blood. Right. But it's more like, this is the show now. It's not like, oh, you're going to hate this. Like, it's not sinister sort of thing. It's it's creepy, not sinister, if that makes sense. I feel, I f- maybe, maybe they were successful in that with you. I didn't get that so much. Mm-hmm. I think that could have been more fun. If it didn't feel like they were, I didn't get the feeling that they were trying to torture the kids. I felt like they right. were definitely trying to torture the adults, mm. though. And I think it could have been more fun if it was more like what you said. 
in that, hey, we need water. We don't have any water. We got plenty of blood. Let's use the blood. Instead of it feeling more like, ha, 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 we're making you. And also, like, they make them do it with, like, broken, like, limbs and stuff. Right. So. And it gets more extreme as the movie goes on. But anyway, the point is, they're going to be bugged out when the show starts. Oh, also, uh, if you have a star on your ticket, you get to stick around and meet the Banana Splits. And it just happens to be the characters we've already met. Except for Austin and his family. Austin and Harley and Beth and Mitch and Zoe, the little girl. He goes off and he runs into Paige the Page because that's their idea of a joke. That's in the writing. I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Paige, the audience Paige. Paige the Page. Guess you could say I was born to do this job. God, I hope not. And he, partway through the episode, he finds her backstage and convinces her to let them stick around because it's his birthday and he's the biggest fan in the world and it would really mean a lot to him. And he and the older brother had already flirted with her earlier in right. the film. Right, and failed drastically. Like, Zoe makes fun of him for it, I Yeah, think. but the girl was <laughs> into it. Yeah, uh-huh. But anyway, so the show goes on. Right as it's about to go on, though, the producer, Rebecca, played by Sarah Canning, she is told by the new vice president of the network, this young guy, Andy, that he's canceling the show. And she's like, why? It's still successful. To which he says, I want to do something edgy and adult or whatever. I just don't like this, so I'm canceling it. And then, you know what? Whenever you get a new vice president in charge of programming, the first thing they do is take the ax to as many shows as possible. If they didn't make it, if they're not responsible for it, it's gone. And they make the whole new programming schedule in their image. So, I mean, I guess I believe that. But still, like, right before the episode, she's just like, well, I guess we're canceled. She doesn't talk to anybody. She doesn't see if the board agrees with his decision. Also, they wouldn't, they probably wouldn't cancel them on that last episode. They'd probably tell them after the fact. Or they'd have them finish out the season. Why would you have them cut it in the middle of the season? But, I mean, I'm trying to think about it. I'm like, you know, shows, there are shows that have lasted for very, very long. I mean, there's The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine when they cut, pull the plug on The Simpsons? Yeah. I mean, for now, as long as there aren't any hiccups. I mean, seems like every season the actors ask for more money and more concessions and, you know, more power to them. But at a certain point, the studio's just going to be like, eh, it's not worth it anymore. Well, now and they're owned by stop. Disney, so they're probably going to stop asking for things. Right. You never know. Back. Yeah, that's Get a good point. A lot sooner. <laughs> right, yeah. Anyway, he ends up getting sort of yanked off screen when he's alone uh, by one of the banana splits. I think it's Drooper who never makes it to the stage. Yeah, she's constantly saying, get Drooper on the stage, which was what I was thinking. Oh, it was Drooper Drooper that it happened to. But then later they say it's Flegel. Yes, Drooper and Flegel are basically interchangeable. It doesn't fucking matter. There is one character who's not on stage when the show starts and Stevie has to cover for him. And nobody really likes Stevie. Nobody likes Stevie. Not Stevie. Nobody really likes him. (laughs) And Al... uh, Andy, the VP, gets, like, yanked off screen. It's like, oh, my God, he's dead. He's not dead. He'll come back later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he gets sort of yanked off screen. And this is when sort of the killings start. At the end of the show, well, I guess partway through the show, when Austin is looking for Paige to ask her, he runs into Stevie's dressing room. And Stevie's a drunk dick. Asshole. Yeah. Yeah, and 
during the, that scene, uh-huh. I wrote down, I just don't get why the acting and pacing is so off. Yeah. Like, I see what I hear what the writer wanted. And this scene was really painful to yeah. watch. So at the end of the show, they spin the wheel of endings, which always ends with rock out every single episode. It's never ended on anything else. And this episode is no different. It ends with rock out and we see Drooper intentionally knock Stevie over with his guitar, to which Harley replies, Seemed on purpose. Drooper wouldn't hurt anybody on purpose. No, honey, I think it's just part of the show. Again, was it Drooper? I thought that was Flegel. I have Drooper written down here. God. I might be wrong. This is my point. But yeah, and I note down... Everybody likes the song. All the characters, yes, uh-huh. even Zoe. Like yes. all the people that are it's like a great song, I'm yeah. sorry. Tra-la-la, tra-la-la. It is good. Um and it works very well for the film. The music in this movie, including the remake of the Tra La La, is done by Patrick Stump, who's the face of Fallout Boy. Face of Fallout Boy. Yeah, he's the guy in the glasses. He's not the bassist who's famous for being bisexual, I guess. Oh, the main singer? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh. He did the music for this, including the remake of the Tra La La theme song. How interesting. Yeah. Alright, so after the show, they all all the characters wait to see the animatronics afterwards. Before they get back there to take pictures with the fan with the fans, they run into Stevie. And Stevie like taunts them. He's like, Yeah, he, the show's canceled. And I'm like why are you taunting animatronics? They're animatronics. I understand he's probably drunk still. He's he's just angry and he wants to take it out on somebody. But he's like, he's bullying robots. Yes, it's a weird scene. Yeah, so Drooper ends up shoving a lollipop down his throat and killing him. <laughs> now, I believed choking him with the lollipop, but there was so much blood. Uh-huh. Like, I was almost disappointed. Like, I was like... Well, you get a bulge in his throat when he shoves it down. His throat bulges up. I don't know. I just think it's funny that there's so much blood here. Uh Uh-huh. And then later you're going to see somebody literally torn apart. Oh, yeah. And it's going to look bad. Uh Like, it's going to look like, oh, there needed to be more blood, if you know what I mean. Right. So, they're all going to meet. The banana splits, the ones who are sticking around. We have our influencers, Poppy and Thad, and we have our stage dad and his daughter, and then we have Harley and his family. Who are going to leave pretty quickly when they find out that they can't meet the producer, which is why the page is going to follow after them. Yes. So they're going to leave, look for the producer. Which is going to allow the influencers to walk around the set. And do live streaming around the sets as they explore around the sets. Leaving our family is basically the only ones who are here. The dad has gone off because he's talking to the girl he's having an affair with. He says it's about work, but yeah, he it's he, his, it's, it's I his think secretary, it's his secretary yeah, yeah. yeah, his assistant, I think. So everyone kind of disperses, and there's no real explanation for that, including the banana splits. Snorky goes out and stalks the dad, Mitch. So Snorky the elephant yeah. goes out and stalks the dad. And the kid's like, where'd Snorky go? Yeah. Flegel, who has his magic set, I mean, like a set all about how he's a magician, not like a set of magic tools, um, <laughs> is where the influencers go. Thad proposes to Poppy. She says yes. They're all really but excited. Right and after. Flegel shows up and he's like, let me show you a magic trick. And puts him in the box to be cut in half and then forces Poppy to literally cut him in half. Yeah, but it's really hard 
to see this because it's like, it just couldn't be more clear that it's not an animatronic. Yeah. The way it moves, the way it can hang on to her while it's doing this. And I think it would be more, it's just so much easier to believe that it's a person. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I don't think animatronics, you force me to by throwing in the little audio cues. You know, like when they move and stuff. But that's it. Like, just looking at them, I think they're people in costumes. And I think there's something inherently creepy about that. But that's not FNAF. So, oh well. But anyway, I also noticed that they stop live streaming when Flegel just shows up. I'm sorry, but the star of the show that you're there and obsessed with just showed up and you go offline? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any damn sense. Although, I would assume that the people would be like, this is a weird joke. But, like, still, you would... So do that. Like, it just, right. it doesn't make It would also sense. explain why the cops show up at the end. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. They could, oh, we saw the live stream or whatever, you know? Like, that would be interesting at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the dad of the, the stage dad is going to get his face lit on fire? By Drooper. Which you would think, like, a movie like this would do a big, big thing of that. Oh, that's a terrible effect. And he doesn't even die. Yeah, he doesn't die. He's perfectly, like, able to talk and everything. Uh-huh. Like, he just kind of has some makeup on. Like, I'm like, oh. Snorky chases the stepdad in a car outside in, like, this little channel where, you know how when we watch Christine, we're like, why doesn't the dude just run over the top of the car <laughs> instead of letting himself get crushed? In this, he's, like, running down this little channel and just hop over this, like, two, two and a half foot tall ledge. You could do it. You're young. You're athletic. Just just hop up on there and the car can't do anything about it. But no, he's still getting chased down by him. Well, the reason the cops come is because the mom... Or the producer tells Paige to call 911. Oh, okay. Mitch runs to the guard tower, the guard station, and the guard's already dead. His head's already been chopped off, but he's just waiting for somebody to touch him, and then the head falls off. Yes. And then when he has the head in his hands, he stumbles backwards, and he gets hit by Snorky. Oh, we didn't talk about the fact that Beth finds out that Mitch is cheating on her. Yeah, and That's then That's where we get has, a lot of our pathos. Yeah, and then she has, like, this, like serious conversation with her son uh-huh. and this is where the the writing is really bad the emotional drama is really bad here yeah uh-huh and it's just like why is this necessary for but this we movie? learn we learn a little bit more about beth's motivations the way she, the reason she's been so timid the reason she's been dominated by mitch is because she prioritizes her children and she feels like she can't raise them alone and she needs them to be taken care of and so she's willing to compromise herself in order to take care of her kids. And now she's, by the end of the movie, she's going to parlay that into badass, kick-ass mom vibes. Oh, except that, yeah, in fact, her oh. son is going to call her, say, that was really badass. And, and I wrote, so I wrote down, not, except it wasn't. We'll talk about specifically what she does and how fucking lame it is a little bit later. But anyway, the producer woman, Rebecca... Paige the page, Austin the older brother, and Beth the mom are looking for the kids whom they have all left alone and who are now wandering off on their own. And this is when the stage dad shows up with his burnt face saying that he was attacked. It's in this moment that the producer actually calls him stage dad. She's like, oh, good, stage dad, or whatever it is she says. I'm like, ah, that's what I've been calling him this entire time. (laughs) Called us that stage dad. Meanwhile, Harley and Zoe... So the the little kid and the girl in his class run into the stage dad's daughter and they find themselves locked up in Carl's workshop. I brought friends. 
Oh, one God. of one of the good moments of the movie, <laughs> I thought. Hi, front friend. We're gonna have so much fun. Wait, what is this? It's when the do- the dog brings them to her. Oh yes. I brought friends. Yeah. Uh huh. Like I like that stuff. Uh-huh. Like again, I would really prefer it if it if it were more like we've got to keep the show going. We need people to stay. Everything's okay. Yeah, and we'll do anything to make that happen. But there's nothing mean or sinister about it. It's scary because they are well-intentioned robots who don't understand the that hurting people. That would be people. better, but yeah. that's not it's what's not, happening. You're right. You're right. I, I got that vibe from the robots, but it's very obvious that they are being violent. So those two things don't, like, overlap very well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, that's one of the problems maybe with uh, the new Chucky movie, right? It's like, you understand that he's just doing this yes. to get to be with Andy, yes. which I like. I like that uh-huh. part, but then there's, doesn't he get kind of... Nefar- uh, kind of sinister. I don't insidious. remember. It's been too long since I've seen it. I remember liking it though. I, I do like it. Yeah. So anyway, Austin and Beth are looking for the kids in the, in Bingo's jungle, and Austin gets grabbed by Bingo, who bungee jumps out of the trees, <laughs> grabs him, and lifts him back up into the trees, into like the rafters. Like any sort of set would have. But before anything can happen to him, she is able, Beth is able to climb all the way no, up no, no, to the no. top. Kelsey, she takes off her frumpy top. Now she's just wearing a tank top and she can be a badass bitchin' mom. And Bingo says, unprompted to Austin, time's almost up or whatever it is he says. And then she just comes running down the rafter catwalk and is like, for you, and then just shoves him over the edge. Right, and I'm saying that she had to have climbed all the way up yes. to the top. No, I know. In that amount of time. But that is so, like, time's up. Why would he even say that? Why would he set her up for a joke, especially if that joke's not even good? It's like responding with your face. Mm. Like, that's, it's not even a good comeback. Because in the writer's mind, the editing Would was, make that work. <laughs> the editing was... Time's almost up for you. And then boom. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't think the, a, the writer, the writer yeah. didn't think she was going to have to keep running Running down all the way down the catwalk. After she said that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And didn't think it was going to be awkward. <laughs> I have written down, she just throws Bingo off the scaffolding. That's it. That's all that happens. They find Poppy, who is now a, a complete and utter mess because her fiance yeah, dead. she goes crazy and finds a mask that you don't see anywhere else. No, no, it, it's introduced to us. Oh, it is? It is. Where did it come from? Carl will tell her that he was developing a fifth banana split. A girl. An so owl. So she's decided to become she's the gonna become. She will. Even though she the hates the them. Even though she hates them because they killed Tad. Yeah. What is that? I was building a system for my boys. A fifth banana split? Her name is... So they convince her to come with them. Uh, The kids are found by Carl. He says, uh, here's what I have written down. He says something went wrong with his update and blames the cancellation since the show is all they have. He's missing fingers for some reason. We never see what happened to him. He just shows off the fact that his fingers were cut off. I guess they've been torturing him now too. And then Harley convinces him... To let them out? Is that what happens? They have this whole, like, you built them, don't you? You love them, don't you? They make 
people happy, but now they're hurting people. Yeah. Then Bingo oh, is brought in by Drooper. Oh, he tries to let him out, but because he's missing his fingers, he can't yeah. let them out. And then Drooper shows up with Bingo, who's broken because he fell off the scaffolding. For some reason, Carl won't let them leave, so they have to attack him, is what I have written down. So they find their way, they break their way out, because I think the stage dad girl helps them or whatever. They're resourceful in some way. They get out and they attack Carl and run away. So Flegel is going to take the producer and the stage dad to run the sloppy time course, which is that sort of double dare thing. And at the top, there's supposed to be a key. And the producer's like, where's the key? And Flegel's like, here's the key. And he just stabs the dad in the back with the key. It's not like a large key or a sharp key or some sort of sinister looking key. It's just like a fucking old timey key. Just shoves it in his back and then he falls into the ball pit. The producer jumps off into the, into a, an adjoining ball pit, which happens to be there. And when he when she climbs out, Flegel hits her on the head with a hammer. Well, because earlier she had said, I need the bigger hammer. Yes, uh-huh. But I, I think it's important to say that this scene could have been great. And again, I see what the writer, I hear what the writer wanted. The writer wanted fast paced, like you're going from, he wanted their laughing faces going to them falling in pain. He wanted it to go from them being in pain to the next scene where they're Uh now climbing up the thing in pain. I do not believe that the writers intended for us to watch this whole thing actually go through. Because if you're watching it go through, it's just like, why Oh, it's just there's no energy to any of it. Yeah, yeah. it's not good. Uh-huh. It's not good. Uh, I have written down here, it seems like the novelty is the only appeal here. Oh, isn't it funny? They're running an obstacle course, and these kids' characters are murderous. And, like, that's the selling point, and it's all they have on offer. They needed, yeah, they needed editing here. Because yeah. these are not scenes. The thing is, is that oftentimes people complain, well, like, If I had actually seen that in real life, it would have looked stupid. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It would have looked stupid. That's the magic of movies. Yeah, I feel like Willy's Wonderland leaned into it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like he never talked, and like, I think that just, was actually was great. I think that was actually the biggest flaw. Is that oh there, really? Yeah, like that was my only problem with that movie. Really, was that there just wasn't a character to care about. It well, was, yeah, but I mean, in Five Nights at Freddy's, you are the character, and you never talk. I understand. So, but anyway, the kids run into Snorky. It's Snorky. He's different. We'll do the shuffle together. Yeah, he's my favorite. And then he, the kid Harley sings the song, tra-la, and he does the Snorky shuffle, which Zoe knows when the girl asks, what are they doing? And, and Zoe's like, that's the Snorky shuffle or whatever. No, I thought that was the stage girl. She's like, are they really doing the Snorky shuffle? And she was like, I guess. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's what it was. But it just seemed weird that Zoe, Zoe knew what it was. Well, I don't... I don't I think the implication is that everyone grew up watching this. Everyone, yeah, uh-huh. it's like a Sesame Street. Like, right. everyone watched it, but the thing is, is that you grow out of it, and yeah. this kid simply hasn't grown out of it. I don't so, I don't begrudge her to know things. I knew stuff about fucking Blue's Clues. I didn't watch <laughs> Blue's Clues. So Harley asks Snorky to help them, and he takes them by the hand, and he leads them out of the room. And there's this really weird, unmotivated shot where the camera pans down to nothing for no reason. It's it's bizarre. Paige is being chased by Drooper down these this dark hallway. She hides in a ball pit, and that's where she sees the producer and her face all fucked up. 
And when she's grabbed out of the ball pit, you expect it to be Drooper, but it's Austin for no reason. He pulls her out. And then so all four of them, we have Paige, Austin, Beth, and Poppy is still with them. That's who the fourth one is. Go to Carl to find out how to stop these animatronics. And when they get there, Carl has gone insane, but he insists that the children are fine. He says when they they find a little trap door to a basement and he says, that's where the show is, right? What's down here? The show. Who kills him? Poppy does. So they're all going to leave and Poppy's going to stay behind. You're the reason that this all happened. Yes, exactly. So Poppy discovers that he was building the fifth banana split. Hootie, a sister, she puts the costume on and hits him over the face. Mm. So he dies we don't get to see the kill, though. We just see blood splatter on, like, a ball or something. They find the rest of the adults from the audience have Who all been Who never murdered. got to leave. They were all murdered. Bingo's drumsticks are sitting out of somebody's eyes. Uh-huh. The other page's eyes. Uh, right, the other page who's walking them out, he gets killed. That's right. Yes. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so they find that the show is happening. Now the show can go on forever. All the kids are chained up. In an audience, but while they perform on stage. But the kid convinces Snorky to give him the keys. Yes. By the way, the, st- the performance that's going on has a dead Stevie tied to a he's tricycle. He's not dead. He's a- alive. No, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Who's the one on a- the That's wheel? Andy. That's the VP. Oh, okay. So dead Stevie with the lollipop sticking out of his mouth is rolling around as they push him around. He's dead. Huh? Uh, and Andy is tied to the wheel of endings that they've crafted on their own. And they basically crucified him on there. Yes. And when they spin it, uh, it lands on, instead of rock out, banana split. And so... They're going to rip him They rip him off, and then they tear off all of his limbs. Which looks surprisingly good, I would say. That was the part that I was thinking was real bad. They cut him in half, and it's No, they they don't cut him in half. They rip off his arms, and just his torso falls off. Oh, no. I guess I was thinking of uh, Tad. Oh, yeah, when they cut him and all the guts fall out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So they need to save these kids from these crazy monsters. Beth beats Flegel with a wrench. She gets choked out by Drooper, but Austin stabs Flegel in the head because Flegel's about to attack her while she's attacking Drooper. He stabs Flegel in the head with a crowbar. Drooper goes back to choking Beth. But Harley tosses his magic wand to her that Austin gave him for his birthday. she's the one that says abracadabra, bitch. Yes. So we didn't say Austin gave his little brother a magic wand for his birthday. It's just basically an umbrella. But instead, it's it's a wand, so there's no actual umbrella part. It doesn't open up. It just extends, and there's a little ball with spikes on it for no good goddamn reason. And you're like, oh, great, this is gonna be a weapon later on in the movie. And it's not going to make any sense because those are spring-loaded. They're not like pneumatic or anything like that. There's no power to them. You just hold it out in front of your hand and see how much damage it does when you extend it. It, do- it does nothing. It's just a spring. So when she's getting choked out and Harley tosses her his wand, she says abracadabra or whatever. Banana cadabra, bitch! And shoves it in his mouth and presses the button and it extends through his head. Through a robot. Through metal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure, why not? Bingo comes out of nowhere and tries to stop them as they're escaping with all the kids 
But so does Snorky. So it has to be Bingo because she just killed Flegel. So now it has to be some random character that goes up against Snorky. Uh, Snorky, and they, they both fight. die. Yes, they get but- in a fight scene, and then, yeah, they both die. They rip parts out of each other, and Harley thanks Snorky or whatever for saving them. And Snorky's dead. And they get outside, and there's ambulances and cops and... Austin kisses, so no, sorry, the other way around. Paige kisses Austin, and he's like, you want to go out sometime? Can I get your number? She just kisses him. Mitch is still alive. He's been run over, but he is still alive. Saying, I really want to get back together, and she's like, I want a divorce. We get another bad screen punch. I want a divorce. I wrote down, what is this, Total Recall? Consider that a divorce. (laughs) Consider that a divorce. And then, immediately, like it cuts to... Mitch running after an ambulance leaving, and apparently it's the last ambulance. This place is flooded with reporters and cops and an ambulance, and all of a sudden, cut to Mitch chasing after no, an ambulance, them, and it's the last we one. We them all leave, but yeah, it's very fast. It's it's weird. It's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, what if their so what if their ambulance leaves? Everyone else is still there. Nope, that's not the case. Everyone is gone except for the car that runs him over again, actually killing him this time, driven by Poppy, who's singing the theme song. And then Flegel's eye, or Drooper's eye, I don't know, turns red. End of movie. Kelsey, what do you think the Banana Splits movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? 46. 63. But not enough reviews to have a consensus statement. No Metacritic, no cinema score. Do you think that that is overrated or underrated? Slightly overrated. Slightly overrated. Okay, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a 55. Why, pray? I just see what they I see what the writers wanted and I liked it and I thought there were good ideas and it just wasn't achieved. Yeah. The person I enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, but I, see, that's the thing. I don't know if there's any parts that I actually enjoyed. I think everything that I liked was sort of ruined by bad execution. Like, again, yeah. I respected what they were trying to do, but I just don't think they did it very well. And that almost makes me angrier. Yeah, maybe I'll make it 50. Okay. Because I was going to go, to me, it gets it on the bad side of 50 because of that. Like, it's obviously a better made movie than Don't Panic. Mm-hmm. But I would gladly watch Don't Panic again before I watch this. Really? Yes. But even still, it is a better made movie. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a 45. Okay. Like I said, on the on the wrong side of 50, but not too far. Well, that's our birthday weeks, Kelsey. With happy birthday. Happy birthday. 1987's Don't Panic and 2019's The Banana Splits movie. What are we watching next week? Next week is a recommendation slash patron chosen week. It was a rough patron's choice, let me tell (laughs) you. Because basically everyone chose something different. There were very few, like, there was very little consensus. Yes. So what combination got the most consensus, Kelsey? Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. Uh Uh-huh. And Creep. And Just Creep good. was recommended by uh, Mr. Minifig. Thank you very much. One of our patrons. Oh, mm-hmm. well, there you go. So thank you very much for making the original recommendation for Creep. Creep is another one of those movies that I would have watched a long time ago if it wasn't for this 
show because mm-hmm. I knew we were going to watch it for the show and I wanted my first time to be for this. So finally, we're getting to it. I've already seen Kelsey's it. Kelsey's already seen it. I've never seen it. Well, I have because a Because he's vague never seen it, I've never seen the about. sequel. So. Oh, right. Yes. So we'll eventually get to Creep 2. And Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, I'm, I'm aware of, but I've never seen. It's another one of those sort of like meta horror movies yeah yeah yeah. Uh uh-huh it's a creepy factor going on in this one creepy dudes on film scary white guys yeah (laughs) so that is next week until then you can find us on our website podcemetery.com over on twitter at podcemetery and on patreon at patreon.com slash podcemetery Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there, but even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? This show is weird. I'm awesome. everybody i'm tony your best friend don't jump out the window michael you've locked yourself in the bathroom michael do you believe in satan how's it going oh i know i know what if hear me out here what if Right here. We're going to be right here too. We're just going to be chilling. How about you chill too? See? We're just chilling. Chill. Damn. If you remember the party from the original movie. <laughs> and. You mean the first scene? Yes. Uh, sorry. If you remember the party from the first scene at the beginning of the movie. Romeo. Romeo. That looked like he did it on purpose. Drooper would never do that on purpose. Abracadabra, bitch. Is it bingo? I thought this was Flegel. I always thought it was Flegel. I have written down bingo. Oh, my God. Because Flegel got stabbed in the head. Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right.